Flight attendants, please prepare for takeoff. Wheeler, Cycle, Line A, scores! I don't believe my eyes. Wheeler gets a hat trick. Oh my goodness. It's another. Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. A much different tone around the, around the Winnipeg Jets than there was <laughs> when we taped the podcast yesterday. Uh, good afternoon, as we're recording this in the afternoon on Tuesday. I'm Jamie Thomas, alongside Mitchell Clinton. This is Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Leading into the National Hockey League draft on Friday in Vancouver, there has been a development. Yes. There's something has changed. There was discussion how the Jets would li- like to get into the first round once again. They have done that. Uh, Jacob Truba is on his way to the New York Rangers or is a part of the New York Rangers organization. Well, has to sign with them still. Right. But he is uh, their property for the time being. Uh, coming back towards the Winnipeg Jets is Neil Pionk, a defenseman. And, of course, that first-round pick that the Jets initially traded to the Rangers for Kevin Hayes along with uh, Brendan Lemieux. So, uh, Mitch, just... We talked about this a little bit earlier today, but the initial reaction to this, and I know there's been some bitterness out there right now, but Kevin Sheveldayoff was working against it right now as we get close to the draft. Yeah, and I mean, like any trade in the National Hockey League, I think everyone's going to have their own opinion regarding it. Um, for Kevin Sheveldayoff, I think this trade does a number of things. Uh, of course, Neil Pionk comes. He's a he's a right-handed defenseman. Uh, we're actually taping this just minutes after his conference call. He said, you know, obviously he's he's never been traded before. This was a kind of a brand new experience for him. He's excited about the the possibility of coming into Winnipeg and playing on this team. Uh, they only played the Rangers twice uh, last season, of course, just the way it is with the uh, Western Conference, Eastern Conference teams. But he said there's a lot of talent. He always said it was a big challenge, both physically and literally. The Jets were a big team. Uh, but they like to get up and down the ice and, and play some offense uh, as much as they can, which really kind of fits with, with Pionk's game. So he's excited about that. I thought he was really open about just uh, his first full pro season last year, playing 73 games and just the fact that he had to deal with a little bit of a confidence dip in the middle, but it was something that he kind of got over and learned how to deal with uh, in March and April. So it really sounds like getting a, a really good a really good character uh, person, especially the fact he's only 23 years old. These these kids are a lot more mature than I than I used to be. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's that's the player side, and of course, a lot of the talk about this year's NHL draft is just how deep it is. So now you're you're into that first round with the 20th overall pick. There's a number of really good prospects that that will be available, and the Winnipeg Jets, of course, have a great history of drafting, uh, especially hitting really well in that first round. Not to mention the the later rounds, and then there's the salary cap consideration mm-hmm. too. We don't really know what that number is going to be. You expect over the course of the next week or so that that number is going to come out. Earlier in the season, it sounded like it could be in around $83 million. Now there's reports it could be lower than that. So obviously, Kevin Sheveldayoff has a lot of uh, a lot of balls in the air, as he said on the conference call yesterday, about how this is all going to fit. But he said the big thing that he's got to find out and what all the GMs have to find out is what that salary cap number is going to be. So obviously, a lot of things get, get done. And Kevin Sheveldayoff was was quick to thank Jacob Truba for, for the six seasons that he did uh, play in a, in a Jets jersey. So... This was a trade that I think Shevel Dayoff was open about the possibility of, of happening over the next little bit, and uh, Monday was uh, the day he pulled the trigger on it. This is probably not the first, uh, well, this won't be the last time that we're talking about a player departing, it looks like. Uh, this organization's been a big part of it for a long time. 
you've dealt with Jacob Truba for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, for the majority of his time here in Winnipeg, just uh, he we're, he's not dying or he's not nope. dead, but we're just talking <laughs> about him as a member of the Winnipeg Jets. What stands out to you? And I think I know because mm-hmm. there was a very big moment two years ago, two years ago in the playoffs. Yeah. But to you as a person and a player, uh, what do you, what do you, what did you like about Jacob Truba as, as a Winnipeg Jets? Well, I mean, he was. His giggles, the first thing that I think yeah. of. I mean, uh, him and Mark Shifley kind of played, I, I believe, their their first pro season uh, in the NHL was the same year. So they uh, they were kind of going through that experience together. And they were always kind of two guys that were, were laughing together in the in the dressing room. And uh, Jacob Truba's got a real signature giggle. Um, the, other, the other thing that, that I remember about Jacob Truba – um, we'll get to the goal in a second, but always on his, on his shoulder pads or somewhere, he always had a photo of his dog and I'm a guy that I've, I've got a dog at home. So, right. uh, I can, I can relate so to that. To you. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, his dog's also on his Instagram a lot. So, uh, and then also, of course there's the goal again in game three against the national predators to complete that three goal comeback in the second period of game three. And I mean, that's one of the goals that I've I don't know if I've heard that building louder like no. that that was one of the most incredible things to to be a part of and and it was Jacob Truba that that buried it so uh, obviously he's he's meant a lot to the Winnipeg Jets he was their second ever first round pick and uh I mean obviously a lot of great memories of him both uh you know off the ice and on it as well you spoke about his dog it's it's Donnie and yes. the we do one-on-ones before every game uh, at home with the Winnipeg Jets for the Jets TV live pregame show. And anytime I'd say Donnie to Jacob, he had a big smile on his face and he was like appreciative of the fact that we're asking about Donnie. Uh, saw some photos yesterday. There's some a lot of Rangers fans uh, clearly pleased with the acquisition yeah. of Jacob Truba, uh, seeing some photos. So I had ne- I had yet to see a photo of, of Donnie. Now I've got the – I can see why uh, so many people are – uh, fond of Donnie. I can't remember what year it was, and I don't know if it's a post on his Instagram page or if it was Twitter or if it was a, an Instagram story or whatever it was, but I think, uh, I can't remember if it was the same season either, but Mark Shifley was the bobblehead one year, mm-hmm. and uh, Jacob put up a photo of Donnie chewing away at, at Mark Shifley's bobblehead, and <laughs> it was one. Of, you just hear Jake in the background, what are you doing, Donnie? <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, that's another one I'll remember. That, that's a good memory, too. Yeah, this is, now this is the time where, and Kevin Shoveldayoff has alluded to this numerous times, when you draft well, these are the tough decisions yep. you have to make later on. You've drafted and developed these players and have hit on these players in the, in the first round of the National Hockey League draft. Unfortunately, you can't keep everybody. Jacob Truba, the first uh, of those first-round picks to uh, leave this organization. So we wish Jacob all the best, uh, over 400 games and a member of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, we're getting close to the draft. Now there's a first-round pick you're talking about. I think last year it was a good round, a good first round. This year the talent is clearly higher from the reports I've read. I'm not a draft expert by any stretch of the imagination, but speaking with numerous draft experts, uh, this seems to be the first round you want to be in, especially in the mm-hmm. top 25. So the way the Jets have drafted in the first round over the years tells me that they're going to find something uh, yeah. that's going to make Jets fans not necessarily happy this year, but certainly in the future. But uh, Neil Pionk, welcome to the Winnipeg Jets as well. This reason why we're doing these podcasts leading up to the NHL draft is because we've uh, spoken with four members of the Jets uh, amateur scouting group. Uh, Scott Scoville is our, is our next guest on this edition of the podcast. Uh, Scott not necessarily found Josh Morrissey, but it was fun asking him what he thought initially of mm-hmm. uh, the Jets' uh, top pairing defenseman. Uh, here's that conversation. Shop where the players shop. Jetsgear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. 
Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets gear locations or shop online at truenorthshop.com. This is Josh Morrissey. You are listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Scott, uh, welcome to the show first off. But second, always wondered about this. The decision to become a scout, what was the genesis of that for you and how long did it take you to decide that you were going to fully invest into it? Well, it's kind of funny. I, I started uh, part-time in 2000 working for the Swift Current Broncos. Before that, I, I was working for an oil company in Calgary. I uh, kind of grew up playing hockey, junior hockey, the whole shebang there. Went to school, um, found out I wasn't going to be making money at hockey. So I, I started working a real job, uh, 9 to 5. Uh, I was coaching part-time. Uh, that was a big commitment. So kind of got to know some part some Western Hockey League scouts. One thing led to another, and I decided I'd do that. Uh, and then, you know, the 9 to 5 grind kind of got to me two years in. And uh, the Everett Silver Tips came calling, and they were looking for a full-time guy to, to run their scouting and, you know, be director of player personnel there. And I, I took that. And so it kind of took me two years, I guess, of a real job before I wanted to jump right in. But you kind of climbed the ladder pretty quickly because that's a pretty elaborate job and pretty uh, big job, yeah, wouldn't you say, I, to be so early in your, yeah, your career? Yeah, I was, I was really lucky. You know, jumping in with Swift Current, um, they, had, they had some older guys that took me under their wing and kind of let me do my own thing as much as I could part-time and kind of was very visible. And, you know, I definitely wasn't making any money at it, but I was at all the big tournaments, all the big games, and, you know, Everett kind of came around at the right time, and I, I got lucky and... One thing led to another, and we had some success there, and kind of, you know, so it, it's been full on almost 20 years now. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah. And how much has time flown in your in your mind uh, in that aspect? It, it's it, it's flown right by. I can't believe it. I mean, there's guys, you know, give perspective. My first draft in Everett was 2002, the Phantom mm -hmm. Draft, and Jonathan Taves went. Oh my gosh! And I look at it now, and he's in his 30s, and yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, I don't want to say his career is over, but it's definitely, <laughs> you know. Five ten years, you know. Three you know, Stanley Cups it, later, it, it he's go, done all right. Yeah, it goes pretty quick, and I'm like, I remember talking to the kid when he was 14 years old with his parents in a, in their living room. So, so in that asset or that essence, what was it like talking to Jonathan Taze at that age? Did you sense something special in him even then? Yeah, I mean, you know, he was very very intelligent, very well spoken. You know, kind of knew what he wanted, and you know, I, at that point, like he he wasn't a big guy. I remember that. I remember he was a five nine ish guy. Like if you would have told me he was going to get to be six foot six foot one, I you know. That was the hard part of drafting, you know, the young kids back then. But I mean, he, he was a very special talent. You know, he's a very dynamic player, and you could tell he had some leadership qualities for sure. Having some experience in the Western Hockey League, uh, one of the finds or one of the guys you came across was Josh Morrissey, a, a very special player. Uh, not a lot of people knew about him until last year's uh, playoff run. Of course, people in Winnipeg knew about him, but I think the rest of the National Hockey League got to appreciate him. What did you like about Josh the first couple of four or five times that you saw him? You know, I was lucky. I, I had scouted Josh. Um, in the Western Hockey League, and he's been from Calgary. I lived in Calgary at the time, uh, um, so I've known Josh for a long time since he's been 14 years old. And I mean, you guys talk to him every day. The one, one thing that stands out is how intelligent he is, and you know that game translates on the ice. And mm -hmm. combined with the skating, um, you know those kind of aspects, and you know just the way he plays the game, shows up every day, and you know is a pro the first time you'd ever talked to him, you know he's a pro, and you know he's going to do what it takes to make it. And, I mean, it wasn't hard to see that. You know, he was going to eventually get there, and once he got there, he wasn't leaving. How 
tough or is there, how unique is that to be so intelligent at such a young age and that you could read at that moment? I know it's a crapshoot most times in the draft, but when you meet somebody so like Josh, you is know, that unique? It or is, is and it, more... it isn't, it isn't. I, I find these hockey players are, are so well-spoken for these kids. They're, you know, they come into the interview rooms you know, at 18 years old, 17 year old, 17 years old, they're so poised. And I, you know, I think how I was at 17, there's, I, I couldn't imagine doing that, but you know, Josh is at another level. And I mean, y- y- you know, you can see it and just day to day, how he speaks, how he talks. And that's his beliefs. I mean, he, he's a pro top to bottom. Um, and he's probably, you know, I, I don't talk to the coaches day to day, but I assume he's a very low maintenance guy in the Winnipeg Jets dressing room. And he's, he's going to be there for a long time. So it, it is rare, and, you know, it is special, and we're definitely definitely lucky to have him on our side. Is that one of your favorite parts of the job is, is coming across a player such as Josh, or is there finding somebody deeper in the draft uh, to I mean, you? <laughs> getting guys that can play is always good. And, right. you know, getting guys that are big impact guys on your team. Um, you know, and Josh kind of probably surprised everybody right out of the gates, and that's always gratifying as a scout because, you know, you know, especially on the amateur side, and, you know, we take him in the first round. We kind of knew that he was going to get there, and he, you know, you know, he had some things happen that he probably got the opportunity because of contracts and all that, and he took full advantage of that. And you know, that that that's definitely gratifying as a scout. When you come to a week like this, is all a lot of your hard work come comes to fruition in some ways? Is do you enjoy the the, the draft meetings, the pre-draft meetings? I do. When you get back with all your colleagues from the Jets. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's definitely the most interesting part is to sit in the room and you can talk about the same player and you can have five or six different views on the same guy. And you know, sometimes you're even at the same games, and you know that's what's interesting. You kind of put the big list together. I mean, I always say, you know, you come to these meetings. My list sucks, but at the end, our, our list is good. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, as, as a group, you put the list together and, you know, you go forward with it. And you definitely don't agree on everything, but you come out of that room, you, you feel pretty good about the list. And, you know, we'll tinker with it from here, you, through the combine, through the, the meetings there at the draft, and we'll get it to a finished product and we'll be, we'll be happy with it. On the, on the note of the combine, how much can a player change a team's mind at the combine at, if at all, in some ways, um, you you got to be careful. I mean, you know, because you know, t- going back, you know, there's some kids that are more mature can handle that situation a lot better than others, and so you got you got to be careful. Um, you take it with a grain of salt. It, it's just accumulating information. You know, you're you're always accumulating information right up to the second where, where you draft guys. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, there's been drafts where we're up talking to the kid and their family, be- you know, in the stands before the draft, making sure we got it right and. You know, you just want to make sure. So, yeah, it can affect it. I mean, you're not going to flip your lift up, list upside down because a guy can do a pull-up or, you know, he, he interviews better. But, you know, it's just a big piece of the puzzle. You know, it's part of the puzzle, the big piece. Is there ever a time, you've, you don't have to say names, but that where character is overridden talent? I'd have to think about that. Um, it or you have, have to look deep into it, like really think about it. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, those character guys that can think fast and play play hard you, you know you don't want to discount those guys because they're the guys that prove you wrong i mean you know hard-working guys are with big will can sometimes work their way in but that said you know you got to be careful of those high-end skill guys too i mean you you don't want to discount a guy because he you know works half the time right but that half the time could be pretty special so you know it's definitely a balancing act and you got to be careful um you know my personal thought is to take skill as 
early as you can because it's hard to get late. <laughs> and then late, you know, if, if there's guys that have passion for guys and, right. you know, those character guys, for sure, they all, they all bring something to the table. Scott, very nice to meet you today, and I really appreciate your time. All right. Thank you, guys. Last year, the draft in Dallas, Mitch, it was interesting to see all the rumors that were flying around. You saw Elliot Friedman, Darren Drager working the floor. And there was a lot of conversation about Eric Carlson moving from the mm -hmm. Ottawa Senators. Turns out the Calgary Flames and the Carolina Hurricanes were the only team to make a deal and to make that draft uh, very interesting. But uh, and considering all the rumors that were flying around, it was kind of disappointing in a way, kind of a letdown. I don't think that letdown is gonna, there's going to be that letdown this year. And I'm not necessarily talking from a Winnipeg Jet perspective, but from around the league because Kevin Sheveldayoff says the, the conversations amongst yeah. general managers is at a high. And moment. I think one one thing that might contribute to it, I mean, we touched on what the salary cap number will or won't be uh, earlier in the podcast. But the other thing, too, is there's always the, the conversation around this restricted free agent class and how much, you know, they're going to command salary wise. And of course, the more that they sign for, regardless of, of what team they're on or what the, the salaries look like for their team, chances are, especially if they're one of those high end RFAs, you know they're they're going to take a significant chunk yeah. of that of that salary cap, so that's going to lead to to conversations. The Winnipeg Jets aren't the only team that has to go through these difficult decisions, and I think that's why Kevin Chevaldeoff kind of mentioned the fact that you know there's an unprecedented amount of conversation going on between all the the general managers, and even since the Truba trade, there's been uh, another one involving the Philadelphia Flyers, and there were some deals earlier Justin prior Braun, to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, th these are the types of moves that are going to be happening. There could even be bigger ones. So, the the NHL draft, I've always said, you get all the uh, all the GMs in one city, one arena, and uh, fireworks can definitely happen. And GM meetings are coming up in, in Vancouver right away as well as we get there. And speaking of Vancouver, uh, we'll talk on, touch on what we're, what's going to happen this week uh, coming up on uh, this podcast and, of course, our coverage on WinnipegJets.com. But first, uh, going to give out 50 Jets reward points. Go to jet, JetsRewards.ca. Type in the word breakaway, and voila, so easy. Glad to give you Boom. these 50 bonus points going forward. Uh, we're, we are leaving early, early in the morning. Yes. 7 o'clock is our flight time. If anybody wants to come to the airport and see us off, we're more than happy to, <laughs> to sign autographs and uh, Bring talk coffee. with you. Yeah, that's right. A lot of options for us. But I don't think there's many things open at 5.30 in the morning no. at the old airport. So uh, if you want to bring coffee with you to the airport, we'd appreciate that. Uh, we'll be departing, uh, landing in Vancouver at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then uh, we'll set a, provide a scene setter for you on mm -hmm. WinnipegJets.com and, of course, have another podcast uh, ready for you as well. So on behalf of Mitchell Clinton, I'm Jamie Thomas. Thanks so much for listening to uh, Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. This is Big Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com. 